Welcome to Dungeon Talk. Higher level learning for your tabletop games. And now, here's Evan and Michael. Hey, what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And this is Dungeon Talk episode 22. Our table topics for today are going to be, we're going to cover our new game, um, how it's going, what we think about it, how you think DMing it, how I think being a player in it. Our mailbag question is going to be making fights more dynamic or exciting. And then we'll have a new segment, which the title we have right now is Rules Lawyer, but we don't know if that's going to stick or not. But uh, we're going to kind of talk about a rule in the game, which is searching an environment or searching an area, like how it should be done. It's like an interpretation of the rule or maybe like an optional rule that you could add into a game. And then uh, last, we're going to talk about setting time limits to the game for certain situations. That's going to be another uh, in rules lawyer. Right. So first, let's talk about the new game. Well, first, let's say, Evan, how are you? I'm I, good. We haven't done this in a long time. It's yeah. been over, I, I just checked, it's been over two months. Well, apparently, we don't need to post that many because Made Men is dominating. <laughs> well, we, we are definitely getting more feedback and more downloads on Made Men. But I'm also posting them regularly. I just think that's insane. Uh, I I don't understand. Um, I'm a great DM, goddammit. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe <laughs> maybe people are telling their friends, like, listen to this guy Michael DMing, which, which is probably not it. But. No, probably not it. Uh, there's definitely a niche market for actual play podcasts. Like, if you search, there are, like, we're on a website that is specifically like a... Um, aggregator pod, podcast aggregator specifically for actual play podcasts. So there is definitely a segment of the population who listens to podcasts who that's what they're looking for good or bad. And, you know, I like to think that people are picking up good habits from me, but I know that the podcast that I listen to, cause I listen to several actual plays and there's even within the same game, there's things that a DM does. I'm like, Oh, that's great. And I'll like take a note. And then there'll be things like, oh, I didn't like the way he did that, or I, I don't think that that was done correctly. So it's probably a mixed bag. Some people do it for the entertainment purposes. Some people probably do it to learn the game. I, to me, I think it's like watching um, four hours of the baseball game on Sunday or watching SportsCenter and just catching the highlights. Like, bang for your buck-wise, if you just listen to Dungeon Talk, that's you're going to get lots of information, lots of discussion, lots of topics, lots of stuff like that. But I guess... It maybe D- Dungeon Talk's not really entertainment, and what maybe if pe- what people are looking for is entertainment and follow right. something like but, that, we, then maybe. But we did get. But I, mean, I just don't see how you how <laughs> I don't see how um, people like how do you find following or listening to our four hour session? Our we do four hours every week. Or maybe like three hours right. once we get there in order and most eat. most sessions equal three episodes. Yeah, on average, which is an hour a piece, right around an hour. Sometimes I cut them short if there's just not a good stop. That's a place. lot of time. Pe- oh, somebody's investing vested. into listening yes. to uh, just us. Just I mean, participating in this game. I mean, I think that our games are a lot of fun, and I think you make them really interesting. But I think they're a lot of fun and interesting to play in. I just don't like. I don't. I mean, I listen to actual plays, so I'm I'm that audience that I, that finds it. I tried to a few times. I listened to Penny Arcade mm-hmm. one at the Penny Arcade website. Yeah, I thought those were hilarious. The D and D ones they did with Chris Perkins as the they, yeah. 
I thought they were hilarious. I just could. I thought that there was funny stuff in them, and I thought they were good. It just didn't make me want to keep listening. Listening. See, there. Those are actually one of the reasons why I wanted to post hours. Is I thought, wow, that's that's a cool thing. And then I I started researching, found some others that I listen to now. So I, I don't know. Like I said, part of it might be that we I am posting them more regular because we've because of scheduling we haven't been able to do this. So it's just possible that maybe because there have been made men's every week or every two weeks consistently that the audience has been able to grow where Dungeon Talk is stalled. Because early on we didn't do made men. We were doing the podcast for months before we had a made men. And we still had several people that were common. We were up to 15. You put a poll on the website. Yeah. Well, we have 15 uh, reviews on Amazon right now or on iTunes. 14 of them are five stars. We have one one star rating. There's no review associated with it, but it's just a rating. Can you and, get that off of there? No. Because How are you going to leave one star and not say why? I, I don't know. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know. Maybe someone's being a jerk. But, um, but I actually put on the Twitter, I said, like, hey, we got a one-star review, nobody, a rating nobody reviewed. You know, do you disagree? Help us out. And then we got, like, three reviews after that. So in, in a weird way, it kind of helped. Uh, <laughs> but, but about half of those comments are Dungeon Talk comments, and about half of them are made men. So, I, again, huh. I, I don't know. I mean, if anyone's listening, we're on Twitter at D&D underscore Academy. You know, shoot me a tweet, send us an email, and let us know. Do you enjoy Dungeon Talk more than made men? Are you interested in actual play? Like, why do you... Why do you listen to the show? I don't know. I'd be really. I was going to say maybe you should do a poll. Yeah, because I do have the thing set up for the poll now. Put do uh, which is which? Do you like listening to more? Which should we invest more time Focus in? On. I mean, either way, like no matter what, we're still going to be having weekly D and D games, and it's very easy to press record and record them. It's not so easy to go back and <laughs> you would think and, that, wouldn't and, you? <laughs> and yet I seem to screw that up all the time. We've done that here. I've done that so many times at my house with the Dungeon Talks. Like, we've been 45 minutes in, and I've gone... Oh, we're not recording. Nothing. We got nothing. Um, So, but yeah, like, put a poll up there and see, like, what... What are the re- what do you like better, and and what and are the reasons? Well, why? I did. I kind of did that on our forum, which our forum, there's like four people that are pretty active that are com- you know conversating, conversation, whatever, posting, I guess, pretty regularly. But I mean, obviously, that's not a huge audience. No I, trolls yet. N- no, not yet. Uh, we do have one guy. I do want to give We're a shout. We're not popular out. enough to have trolls. We d- we aren't. And I want to talk about that quickly too. But I want to give a shout out to Jonathan. He's the guy who's been communicating with me very recently. He found the show. He did. A, he was just doing a random search on, I think he said Google or iTunes, one or the other. He found us. And he has systematically gone through every episode, and he's up to like Made Men 15 or 16, you know, up to Dungeon Talk so far, and he's posting a comment on every episode. He's read every article so far. I mean, he's basically just going in order, and he's posting every... Like, it's fantastic. And it's not just a posting like, hey, that was cool. I mean, there's like paragraphs like hey what's this guy's name his name is jonathan and he um he used to do a lot of the living forgotten realms games which is sort of an older like um there's a term for basically it's like it's living campaigns where uh, the players would meet like every wednesday kind of like what encounters is now for DD next where you would meet like every wednesday you'd play a game and then you would the dms would have to report up like what your game did and they would sort of take like a poll out of like say a hundred people a hundred groups played the same game. They all played the same setting. And in 51% of them, they killed an NPC. And in 49%, they didn't. Well, in the overall story, that NPC now died. So the next time you got together, that NPC is now dead. 
So you were sort of a, li- a living world that you were all helping to create. You watch The Walking Dead. Yes. There's a Walking Dead video game that's really terrific and got great reviews. So I got it and played it. And at the end of each chapter, because now every, every Xbox and PlayStation is is connected to the internet all the right. time now. It tells you like the results or something. It uh, it it uh, at the end of every chapter, it takes the seven or eight or ten major decisions that you made, like. Do you help this person? Do you save this person? Do you, did you kill this person? And it puts you against all the other million people in the country that's playing the game. And it does 61% of people did this. It's really interesting to look at. That's Essentially, you just said it better than I did. But that's kind of what the Living Forgotten Realms was. And it sounds like he was a DM in that for a while. And, and he comments about you know his favorite characters. And just uh, you know he's very complimentary about everything so far. He really likes it. Pretty much the only criticism he's had so far has been the sound quality, which just feeds into my OCD anyway. Perfectly understandable, John. Because it's terrible. <laughs> uh, but we are getting much, much, much better. Uh, but again, I just want to give him a shout out. And then also uh, Razorstorm. He's on uh, Twitter. He's a guy I follow. Dude's got an epic mustache. I'm talking like Curly Bill Brocious, just epic. He's a like an MMA fighter, uh, but he's also a big gamer. And he's actually running a play-by-post game that I'm in right now. Uh, which I'm having a lot of fun with. Never done it before. Had really had no idea what I was doing, but it's really awesome. I really like it. Um, great guy, and he's also been commenting, and he's even linked to some of our articles. And the last poll that I put up, well, the only poll I put up so far was about what our next play test would be because we did Savage Worlds last month, and I wanted to see what people would want us to play. And he really like led the charge. He's like, I want to see them play 13th Age. I think it's going to be a great game. I want to see them play it. I want to hear them play it. And he even got Pelican Press, who released 13th Age, to retweet it. So, like, the company that published the game sort of advertised us as, hey, do you want to hear D&D Academy playtest our game? Vote here. Wow. And then, like, 80% of the people who voted, which still wasn't that many, but still, like, 80% picked 13th Age. So we are going to playtest it in September, do, like, a one-shot. And I'm still kind of interested in just taking our entire game to it at some point. Because as much as I do like D&D Next, I am getting a little bit frustrated of having to change it every time a packet comes out. But, you know, again, I don't know. But most of what we just talked about, people will probably want to skip. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into some hopefully more interesting stuff. um, And we'll go from there. So um, we started a new game. So Made Men ended. Do you have a title for this game? It's called A New World. A New World. And uh, I'm still kind of sad about Made Men ending because there was so much potential there. But... I'm going to have to let that go. I am really liking the story. We so can't far. really say anything about Made Men because there's so many people that are listening to the episodes. Yep. There's only we'll like two episodes, one or two episodes left. And then we're going to, we actually have a dungeon talk we recorded already that's like a post mortem. And it's just, we talked uh, about the one we did at your house after the, after the game. Yeah. So pretty much we have like almost two hours of us just talking about the whole game and why, where it went bad and what we liked about it. And just like, a, again, like a post mortem. And as much as I usually don't like the stuff that we record, <laughs> I think that that was, that was a really good discussion. I did too. If it's the one that I think it well, is. We had an immediate discussion after the game ended. And then we actually had a dungeon talk, like an official one, where we kind of rehashed some of it. I'm probably going to post both of them. I think it was really good. Yeah, I think that for anybody listening and wants to hear that, I think that would be good to check out. Because as much as I do love that game, and we talk about there's 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 like four or five decision points where the players did stuff I didn't anticipate, and and I I fault myself. I didn't react to it well, or I was trying to trying to do it more improvisation, and I didn't want to pause. And I kept 
pushing it further and further out. And it really got to the point where the game just couldn't support itself. And it, it just kind of collapsed and died. And even though there, it still had a cool ending, I still think there was a lot of cool stuff. There are so many things that I wish I could do differently in that game. And, and I think that might be the point in some cases of uh, an actual play is here was a great idea. The execution was okay. was a lot of fun. Most nights, you guys, from what I could tell, had fun with the characters. But that's a game that we should have been playing for years. And we ended up playing for a few months, and then it kind of died. So I think there's a lesson to be learned there. But anyway, so we're starting a new one. It's called A New World. And again, I'm liking it so far. One of the things that, that I do is I do try to internalize a lot of the feedback that you guys give me when I ask for it. And a long time ago, there was a situation in a game before we were recording where you guys sort of found an abandoned village. And it was just like a microcosm of the game to me. It was just like a stopping point. And you guys really wanted to kind of invest time there. And later you even said, you know, I would have liked to have stayed in that village. And it could have taken 15 minutes of game time, but six months of, other way around, 15 minutes of real time and six months of game time where you you know, open a store and you fixed up the place and you felt like it became what it came home. And so that way later on when there was danger, it would, you would have some investment. Just to set that up a little bit, we started as characters that were from a place where we were kind of slaves or cat or... Um, you were captives. Captives, yeah. And our characters escaped. We all got on this ship. We... Or it wasn't really a ship. It was a small boat. boat. We set out into the ocean. We didn't know really know where we were going to end up, I think. but the, Or maybe we did know where we were going to end up. But anyways, we went out. This big storm hit us, and we lost the boat. We lost most of our weapons. I remember dropping my armor. It was this big deal, like this big moment where I was like, oh, Yeah, because your armor was a big deal to your happened? character. So we ended up washing ashore. We walked down the coast a little bit, and then we found this old abandoned abandoned village, village that was... And when we got to that, we were kind of like, okay, we nothing is here like this can be uh, ours like why keep going dibs yeah and there actually was some dibs about the uh the tavern i think two or three of you guys wanted to be people were already getting ideas like i'm gonna set up a shop over here and do this and and then and for me i just was trying to get you to the next what i thought was fun part so i sort of pushed you through there and you told me later like you know i i would have preferred to stay there so that's something that i internalized and that's a big part of what i'm doing in a new world and that's where the the game is set up where essentially a, a new world has been discovered. There's a one-way portal into this other dimension or other world or other time. No one knows yet where exactly you are, but you were part of a colonization effort from a giant empire that wanted to expand. So you agreed to go through, all the characters agreed to go through on this trip. And of course, being an adventure, bad things happen and, and all the boats have gotten separated. As far as you know, you're the only boat that survived. So instead of having 2,000 people, you have 200. And the, a big part of the game is helping to build this community. They're in a very dangerous, and I mean very dangerous place, but there are people there who are farmers. There's fishermen. Apparently, you haven't made dangerous clear enough to the other players because <laughs> they just want to do stupid stuff. Well, they're, they're playing it like a game where you're playing it more like a story, I think, where they, they are doing things to get to the next fun part. You're trying to make it, well, we wouldn't really do that because Godzilla is in this world. Essentially, he is, or she is. I think it's a girl. Uh, and every time you walk around, there's a chance you're going to get eaten by something. 
your Godzilla is a girl, or you think the Godzilla? I think Godzilla. Is a girl? There's a movie where Godzilla has a kid. So I th- oh yeah, Godzilla I and son. So I think Godzilla technically is a female. Plus, in the really bad 1985 version with Matthew Broderick, it laid eggs, which could have been an asexual, I guess. But I think Godzilla is a girl. But anyway, um, so a big part of the game is that you have this community that you're trying to help build. So the fishermen have to fish, farmers have to farm, blacksmiths are setting up shop. People, and there's three nobles, and each of you is attached. Most of you are attached to the same noble. There's a different character who's attached to a different noble. And there's some politics going on. I got two nobles who are very cliche, the bad guys. And there's one noble who's very cliche, the good guy. And I'm trying to set up some sort of politics. But the, but the big thing I'm trying to get across is I want you to be invested in these people so that if things happen to them or there's danger or threats, that you will feel invested. And that's a direct relation to what you told me like probably over a year ago now is I'm just now getting to a point where I can really implement that as a game. So you so better far, like th- it. So far, I think it's terrific. There's, um, there's like so much uh, conversational role play- role playing going on that is that matters to me. It's it's like a uh, it's like the beginning of Lost, where they shipwrecked on the island and. There's like a few things all happening at once. One is resources. So, um, how are we going to survive? Like logistically, how are we going to survive? Then next is kind of who's really in charge here. Um, who's like who should be giving commands? Who should be taking orders? You know, um, who should we be listening to? And at the same time, you have some people that think they should be in charge, but now you're in this other place where the same rules might not apply. You know, like if these people don't want you to be in charge, all of a sudden you might not be. Um, your nobility doesn't matter so much here, maybe. Right. Um, which so far, nobody has really tried to push that boundary. But I think that there is this atmosphere set up where... Um, it, there is a realistic sense to it, or at least I'm, and I'm trying to feed into that realistic sense of like, I'm not going to do something that back home in the other place would be seen as like a, a big offense. Like I'm not going to all of a sudden put down my hammer and say, uh, what was it? What's, what are the two guys? Names? Maven There's and Jason, Gunther. Maven and Gunther, you know, shut up. I'm taking over. I'm doing this, you know, I'm trying to still play this game of, um, kind of getting people behind me. I kind of see my character kind of sees this as, um, you know, I've always kind of wanted, I've always had this feeling like I could lead, I could be a leader, but I've never, but I'm not a noble. You know, my character is a baker. Actually, your background is he's a half work barbarian (laughs) baker, which is awesome. His, uh, lemon tarts are his, uh, (laughs) specialty. Yeah. Specialty. And, uh, but he's always, felt it within himself like he could be a leader but he knows that if he if he just goes all out and, and is like this is my chance i'm in charge now it could just wreck everything like you know it, it it could it could put a big hole or hole or a big halt on the progression of trying to get this colony established so he's really trying to tread lightly on both sides like really 
be friendly with the nobles, but be friendly with the people and get the people to really respect him and listen to him. And but may, and he wants to do the same thing with the nobles at the same time. And I think in the conversational role playing, you're really allowing that to happen. And I, I just think I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. It, it, the fighting doesn't it like you said that you were kind of disappointed with the fight that we had last time. And I didn't even really care that much because I had so much fun the rest of the game. Right. But I, I think, though, that uh, I don't think everyone else felt exactly that way. I don't think anyone else had a bad time, but I think there were a couple people that really wanted that fight. And then when they had it, it was a disappointment. So I want to talk about one other thing first, and then we'll jump to that. Uh, it's actually the other fight. There's only been two battles since we've been to this place. You're already smiling. They're just funny because... So the first one was against a... A, um... A, um... Tersharctopus. <laughs> so that's one of those things about about myself that I want to have a really serious game. Like, I want you guys to care. But then I throw a Tersharctopus against you, which is just... We're all giggling the whole time, every time we say it. And then you actually drew a picture, which I thought was awesome. So I posted that on Twitter. And, um... So there's only it, is, it was what I was giggling at was that it is it's funny because we're running this really serious campaign so far where these people are really realistically having conversations and things that might really happen, you know. And then a Tersharktopus comes <laughs> on the beach. So you can't help but laugh every time you say it. Uh, uh, but so and. Again, th- there's always a point to what I do, and it doesn't necessarily make sense, and it may not exactly do what I want. But in the timeline of the world, when Sharknado just came out, it it, it, it makes perfect. It makes sense. perfect sense. And there's there's actually there's even a meta thing to it. You guys have not fought them yet, but you've you've learned of another creature that appears to be the combination of a shark, a scorpion, and a spider. So there there is sort of an overarching uh, point to it. like it makes sense within the the world that you're in. There is a reason why both of those creatures are combinations of three things, and you may never know what they are. But in my head, there's like, okay, I'm I'm creating a reality, and that fits within it. But it was still funny. So anyway, so you guys are fighting this Tersharctopus, and the whole point was again to sell how dangerous this place was, and all this thing was doing, which you guys figured out eventually, was it was just trying to lay its eggs. It'd come up on shore to lay its eggs, but you happened to be there, so it wasn't really trying to hurt anybody it was just you know defending itself well you started the battle by saying okay you get to the corner you run around you and see it had this a guy thing, and it over. had a guy and it went and yes. crushed it so in your mind if you were trying to get the point across like it may not be that dangerous like you failed on that <laughs> well no was again this is one of those things that i do is that you guys didn't see what was happening to start with so in my head i role played out what happened and that this creature came on shore and that there was a civilian peasant fisher guy there who happened to piss it off so like if you had been at the beach then you probably could have stopped that from happening so in my in my head there was a small percentage chance that it wouldn't have happened but anyways so the whole point was to show you how dangerous this place was it was it was resistant to magic it had crazy amount of hit points its attacks weren't all that powerful but it was just a really tough creature yeah my first hit was huge and you were like it didn't it you it, don't see much reaction it, it just sort of absorbs it yeah and it had the, the turtle shell top so that it was you know it had it was hard to damage and it started off like the first four or five rounds were really interesting because we have a we have seventh level characters and we start at seventh level because made men ended at seventh level and and you guys really didn't want to back down in power and part of the play test i wanted to keep going so you guys are all playing seventh level so you're playing seventh level character you've never played before 
So a lot of people were try, still trying to figure out their, their powers and their attacks and spells. And, and that was part of it as well. It's like, here's one enemy that no one's going to kill really quickly. So everybody gets a chance to do two or three things and kind of play around with their abilities and their powers. But the, but it started to drag long, and I'm like, okay, I need to get this battle over with. So I was just going to have it run away. You know, victory for the good guys, everybody's happy. And your character's like, no, this is food. I want to kill it. And, it, it, and again, it wasn't like a reason, like, I want to kill it for the game, but it was food, which really fit the story. So I'm like, okay, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. So then I still kind of sped it up and sort of allowed you to win, but I did it because you were able to rally all the other like civilians and everybody ran in with like pitchforks and spears and you eventually got it on its back because, you know, a turtle screwed. And so I thought it made a really great moment and it really did. Although a turtle with octopus legs might have been able to. Yeah, yeah. again, we, we sped up. I, did, I didn't want to draw it out that long because it wasn't really that fun anymore. But I, going to what you're saying about your character who wants to be a leader but never really has had the chance or never really showed it. I thought that was a, an absolutely perfect thing that your character would do is by rallying the troops. Like you didn't just go hit it again. You, you know, you're like, come on, let's get it. And you were trying to encourage other people. And I rolled some rolls and you did a good job. So I think that was the start where your character really started to do that. It's like, and, and we, you know, I, and I went with it, you know, like I had people come up to you and say, you know, I re- appreciate what you did. And they, they were happy. They had like a luau event because they had the food on the beach and people were drinking and they were clapping you on the back. And even like the guard commander came over because he's unsure if he should do it or you should do it. So anyway, I just thought it was a really good moment for you, even though the battle itself turned out to be kind of boring. So in the last game, which I'm really mad about because it didn't record, I'm super pissed because I thought it was maybe our best game ever. I, I really thought it was a great game from the role-playing aspect with you and Maven and the politicalness, and, and he's trying to sort of bribe you in a way and get you on his side, and there's some, there was some sneaky... I mean, it was just fantastic. And I was like, okay, I want a battle. I want this cool fight. And, and I'll, I'll give you again a little, a little metagame insight. I was thinking, okay, if you live in a world that is full of these crazy creatures, like you have like a... You have, there's more than one of them, but there's these multiple Godzilla-level creatures. And yes, I did think of this before I saw Pacific Rim. What would your evolutionary defense be? And I thought, well, camouflage. So you were fighting some invisible giant spiders. I thought, well, that makes sense, because if you can't be seen, then you're not going to draw the attention of these gigantic predators. So you were fighting giant spiders. They were like 30 feet around, you know, the giant legs, but they were invisible. Should have been an awesome fight. Should have been really cool. And it just really fell flat. And I'm still trying to figure out why and what I could do differently. And, and that kind of rolls into our question, the, the mailbag question, which is about a, a guy who asked, what do you do to make fights dynamic? How can you make them interesting? The example he gave is he was running a game where the, the characters were trying to go across a sky bridge, which is essentially like a water ferry, like a platform on two chains that you crank across space but rather than being a river it's just open air like between two mountain peaks and as the characters were going across this sort of like endless wave of flying creatures came at them they weren't stopping to fight they were just flying past and they kept there was a chance that you were going to get knocked off so some of the characters were trying to you know it's like major like bats coming out of a cave they were trying to wave their torches and use their swords and but the way he was trying to make it more dynamic was that, that there was the element of falling to your death and his, you know, that was his example of something he's done. He just wanted our advice on 
what else we could do or what examples that we have done in the past. So we kind of want to combine the question with my question is, why wasn't that fight more fun? And what could I do to make it more fun? Um, I think the only first thing that comes to mind is that I saw it coming a mile away. Like when, when you said um, some people of the search party haven't come back yet, so we're going to put together a group. I need volunteers. Like, why even ask for volunteers? Of course, the four the, people the sitting players. at the table are going to volunteer. And, like, I already put... It was already scripted out in my head. Like, we're going to go out there. We're going to encounter something. This is going to be our battle of the night. And we had spent so much time role-playing before that. It was all. I also just looked at my watch, and I was like... If we, we don't if we don't have a fight don't, soon, if we don't have a fight one. soon, we might not have one. So this is must be it. So I don't know, it was just scripted. Uh, okay. You know, which So I, I have a I have a thought for that. But I still want to go back to that again. So let me jump ahead and then jump back. So the last thing that happened is you guys sort of came upon these ruins, and I won't go into too much detail, but it's sort of like a puzzle element you're you're trying to figure out. Would it have been more interesting for the fight to occur then? Cause you wouldn't have been expecting it cause you were in the middle of like a puzzle. And then the, then, then the battle might've actually been a surprise where it wasn't so obvious that, Oh, we're, we're going to have our fight. So even though there were these cool creatures, these giant invisible spiders, the coolness was overridden by the expectation that was happening. Where if I gave you a different scenario, like, okay, you try to figure out this puzzle and let you guys are moving things around and turning dials. And then a spider attacks you that was invisible would that have made a difference? Sure, probably. Because uh, just because off the top of my head, I'm painting the picture, and I, uh, you know, in I'm thinking we're messing, we're playing with the uh, dials and everything, and maybe while we're doing that, you're like, Evan, give me a uh, spot check. Spot check. What for? Just give me a spot check. Yeah. I'll tell you if you roll good. Yeah. <laughs> so and I don't and you're like okay. You, Nothing happens. And I'm like, so then I'm like paranoid. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked, we've done that in the past. We've talked about doing that to build up kind of suspense. Right. Um, kind of like the ghost in that um, dome where I was in, where I was having like somebody would see it and no one else would, but nobody else would. And so it, it kind of built this up. Um, and then by the time maybe somebody else saw it, and even if some we rolled really well, you could just plan it out however you want. So maybe by the time somebody did see it, their spiders already like on us attacking right. us. And I've the the other thing is like, well, you don't want to kill the characters and you want them to have these cool moments, which we did, and but yet the fight seemed really easy. Like we blew through them. And so it's kinda of, there's like this uh, you know, balancing act which sometimes just doesn't sometimes you're able to balance it and sometimes you have this um fight or this battle that happens where there's enough tension and there's enough fear of i'm losing hit points and this is happening i don't know if we're going to make it out of this and then sometimes you just walk in and you just cream them and it doesn't feel that exciting and i think so i think that was kind of it too we just creamed them and which is not which that's just the roll of the dice right. that determined that it wasn't that exciting. And if I'm correct, I, I put three. Well, a total there was there were six spiders total. Three of them stayed up high enough where you couldn't interact, and they were just shooting webs trying to trap you guys. And they kept missing. Like I rolled 
terrible for them. And I was also rolling out in the open, which I don't always do. So I couldn't kind of fudge it a little bit to make it a little more exciting. So it was, you know, the rolls were the rolls. And then three of them came to the ground and were, were engaged. And then again, I thought it made sense is that when you killed those three and you killed them really quickly, the other three said, okay, we're out of here. And you know, they're, they're predators are not stupid. So they left, you know, you're not prey anymore. You're too dangerous. So you only fought half of them, but I thought, I thought there'd be more people trapped. I thought that would have made it more exciting. And I think you guys had a total of three critical hits. I know you hit a critical for like 60 damage and killed one of them. Um, Travis, his character rolled a crit on a sneak attack. I mean, there were two that got destroyed in one hit. Well, I think I critted one, and then I think I decided I was going to use my hammer on one. The, the I, oath the power. The oath power. So I was able to add like an extra 20 damage it, just from the oath. It was something crazy. And and I've said this before, I, I, I've run so many games. I mean, almost a countless number of games, but they almost always start at first level, rarely get past fifth. So you guys playing seventh level, I don't have a comfort level there yet. And, and you tie that into D&D Next, where I don't really know the powers yet. I don't know the, the creatures. I didn't want to just all out kill you. Like, that, you know, obviously, if it happens, it happens. That's part of the game. But I didn't want to set up an encounter that's just going to kill you. So I probably should have had tougher creatures or more of them. That, that would have added some tension. I probably could have had maybe, maybe again, like a Godzilla-level predator show up nearby. So there's the, do we fight, do we run? I, I guess the, the answer to the Maybe question is... Maybe like the spiders could have dispersed and, and it could have gotten real quiet because something else was coming. Or, I mean, there's... I I think that that's something maybe that I do when I've run, which haven't, hasn't been that much, but even though I've only DM'd two campaigns, I've probably run 10 to 20 battles. Um, and I think in all of mine... I, I'm always judging. I have. I don't know how many people you're going to fight. I don't know how many creatures you're going to fight. I might not have their AC exactly like written down or their hit points written down. I might just be like, "All right, it's a bunch of wolves," and and see how you guys are going. How how you're doing? And if you're creaming them and slamming them, then I might just have more come, or I might have something else come. Or if you're having a really tough time, then I might have some of them go away. I don't know if you do that that much or if that's kind of the way you think about it. I, I do on occasion. Um, I've mentioned before, I follow a bunch of people on Twitter and I, I have conversations. And and that actually came up once. And one of the guys I follow was the paraphrasing the, the, the feedback was, don't do that because sometimes the, the character should be rewarded. If they just roll well or they have a good idea then they should they should have the victory and say we beat that encounter because we played well we worked well together or we had a good tactic and if you're always changing the battle in the middle to keep it exciting then you're never going to have that moment where we did really good or you're never going to have that moment where we need to run if you're always you know, if it's things start to get, get dangerous, you're pulling it back. And I don't think you're... Because then dangerous just gets normal. It, yeah, and so you're always like, okay, we got to stick it out. Yeah, because you always think you're going to win. Yeah. And I don't think you're advocating to do that every time. No. And I don't well, think... Well, why didn't... just So you set up this encounter and we creamed them. Why do you think... So then why do you put it in the unexciting or unsuccessful category as opposed to... We just... The players just had a really successful fight. For me, because I'm, I'm always reading the table... And I didn't read it as, hey, we had fun. And 
you know, you critted with your hammer and did a crap ton of damage. Damage, and I tried to, you know, I think I said you you his head exploded out of its ass or his ass exploded out of its head. So I try to be very descriptive and uh, Travis's character cut one in half. So the, the it, literally the body fell on two sides, four legs on one side, four on the other. So I thought I was doing a good job of describing it, making it interesting, making it fun. But when I was reading the table, I didn't read excitement. And I was just, I, I, maybe I'm reading into it, but I felt like you guys weren't into the battle, even though, you know, you roll a 20, you get a 20, you do a crap, come down. That's what you're hoping for. Every time you roll the dice yeah. in a battle, you're hoping for a high number and you're hoping for a lot of damage and you're hoping to, to win. And then when you got those things, I didn't see what I expected to see. So I'm, I was just trying to I guess out- I wouldn't be so quick to put it in the uh, failure category because it was easy and short. That so, doesn't mean bad. Right. So but, if, if there's any advice that I would give based on that is, Maybe combi- combining elements, much like the, the question was asked. You know, you have, you're fighting, but there's also a chance of falling off the platform. So you have multiple responsibilities. Maybe one person has to keep cranking the platform because another platform is trying to catch up with them. So there's like multiple responsibilities going on at the same time. Uh, don't telegraph what you're doing. You know, if it's like, oh, well, we haven't had a battle yet. We got 20 minutes left. Maybe it's time for the battle. Uh, and then knowing your players and knowing your creatures, which I... Probably could know more, but I'm I'm gonna lay back that I also we're playing D D next, which I don't know yet. That if I had known your power level and their power level better, I probably could have had a better um, belt encounter, more level. And that's pre- now thinking about it because when um, so we had the encounter with the spiders, we killed them pretty easily, and then we found this um, sand pit where these stones were buried. And we figured it, we started uncovering them and we figured out that there's a puzzle there. And, or maybe, I don't know if it's really a puzzle, but it looks like a puzzle. And all the other players were like, well, let's just stay here. Let's stay, you know, let's stay here through the night. Let, you know, and we have not spent a night in the woods so far. And I think maybe because, maybe it was because the, um, spider fight was easy so easy they were like oh we'll handle you know right. more spiders come that's no big deal yeah we'll kill them or whatever else is out here we'll kill them whereas i think i was trying to be more like yeah we killed them but they were still ca- camouf invisible spiders yeah and you only saw six there yeah. could be hundreds of them next time yeah so, so I, again i thought you were playing that more realistic they were playing it more to like, it's a game, you know, we need to finish the puzzle, let's have fun. And I don't know that one's better or worse than the other, but you guys were definitely on different wavelengths uh, on, on what was going on. So, Do you, and I don't want to spend, this isn't going to be a side topic or anything, but I just want to throw this out there. It seems a lot, it seems a lot of times it's me against the table. Do you think that that's a trend? Do you think that, I put myself in that position a lot, or do you think that that's just been the way the story has been? Because, especially with Made Men, it was Zane wanting to do one thing and everybody else wanting to do something yeah. else. I well, I hadn't really thought much about it, but now that you're prompting me, I do think there is an element where you are trying to get really immersed in the character, and you're trying to do what the character would do. And most of the other characters are, we're playing a game with these characters. What would be the most fun? 
And I do think that there is a difference sometimes where, and I, I try to run a game more like what you're doing, where I want it to be realistic. I want it to make, like, I want you to be able to look back at Made Men and everything makes sense in some way or another. You know, all the little clues that were being dropped or why this happened or why that happened. I'm not saying I always it always works, but that's my goal. It's not just random encounter, random encounter, random encounter, you know, where you just have three three battles or three scenes. They're only loosely tied together. And as long as everybody has fun, and that's something I'm, I'm trying to do more of in this game is to try to have more individualized, just fun elements. But I, it's just not the way I'm designed. I'm not that type of DM and it's taking effort because I'm still telling the story and that everything's tied together. Because, I mean, it would have made more sense for those, if I wanted to keep the battle going just to have the other spiders attack you, it would have prolonged the battle. But in my mind, once you killed three of them, the other three would run away. And that that fit the reality of the world, which to me was more important in that moment than providing a better challenge for your characters. So it's something we're going to work on. But it, So again, I, there's probably going to be some more fights soon. And I'll see if I can mix them up a little bit and and uh, make them a little bit more dynamic. All right, we'll you want to go to you want to go to rules lawyer? Yeah, we'll go to rules lawyer pretty quickly. We're, we're and where does rules lawyer come from? Where's the term come from? Uh, it, it's a common role playing. Is it a snobbery term? Is it more for the snob at the table that knows the rules? Not necessarily snobbery, but it, it is somewhat derogatory. It, most people, a rules lawyer, from my experience, my understanding is someone is what I said. who who knows the rules very very well but uses them to argue. Like when that person brings up something, usually other people are like, oh. Uh, so, I mean, you I, could have a rules again. lawyer that's a great thing where it's like, hey, Evan, I, I don't know how to run this, you know, this power. Do you know what the damage on a fireball spell is? Or do you know what the skill check for this is? So you could have a rules lawyer who's a very helpful member of the party. It's good when that person is like a dictionary where... You're an inanimate object that doesn't speak. And when we want to open you and look you're, for the definition, we'll ask you. You're like a personal Wikipedia. Yeah, we'll ask you when we'll we ask you. need. But generally, the rules lawyer is someone who's like, well, actually, you can't do that because... you put They push, push their, their glasses, glasses, glasses up, up and then uh, uh, yeah, or, put or, their index finger in the air and declare... Yes, or, or like a DM makes a ruling where, okay... I don't know the grapple rules, so I'm just going to make something up on the fly. And they're like, no, 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 no. And they want to make sure you use it exactly to the letter. Whereas a DM, you're probably just trying to keep it moving, have fun. And they're like, no, no, you know, it has to be to the letter of the law, which I think is where the term comes from. But that's not, doesn't exactly fit what we're going to do here, but we don't have a better term, so we're going to use it. So what I want to talk about, and I got two of them, if we can get to both pretty quickly, they're sort of like an optional rule or a way to look at a rule. And I just want to see what your thoughts were. So the first one is to do with searching. And this is something we talked about before on puzzles. Are you, know, are you designing a puzzle about the player or are you designing a puzzle for the character? Because if it's for the player, then there's a lot more chance that... Did we talk about this before? Yeah, we had a, like a whole segment on, on puzzles before. Oh, puzzles. Yeah, yeah. but th this we're going to do searching. Right. But, but it's the same theory is, okay, am I designing a puzzle that Evan's going to solve? Right. Or am I designing a puzzle that Evan's character's going to solve? So then I roll a natural 20 on my intelligence check. Okay, I tell you the answer to the riddle. Mm -hmm. That wasn't very fun, but it rewards your character for being smart. Just like in a battle, you roll a d20, you killed an invisible spider. I don't expect Evan to actually have to swing his hammer before I reward your player or your character. So the theory would be, let's say that you guys are in a room and you're you've killed the big bad and it's like the treasure room and you're looking around and I know that there's a key hidden 
that will be important later. There's like maybe a vault or it's the thing you're after, whatever. And I know that the bad guy had hit it inside of a shoe that he put in a, in the bottom of his closet. So do I, as the DM say, okay, Evan, I need your character to roll me a, a spot check or a search check. And if your character doesn't say, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I check the closet. I'm going to look in the drawers and I'm going to look behind the curtains or there's no chance you'll ever find it. Like if you don't actively tell me. It's, it's under the floorboard in the left corner of the room. Yeah. And, and unless I say I'm lifting up the floorboards, floorboards or I'm checking for floorboards to, to be loose, then I just say there's no chance you will ever find it. And usually I think what I usually do in your games is I say I'm searching for the I'm searching the room for anything that looks out of place. Out of place. Has, like some like if the room is dusty, is there some is there a place where something is clean or there's fingerprints or if you know, if the room looks old, is there's if everything is old furniture and like an old floor, is there a place where something looks new or tampered right. with? Is there anything that looks out of place? So, so that and you one, usually give it to me. Yeah, if the, I, the one extreme of that is if you don't say you're looking inside the closet, then I say you can't possibly find it. The other extreme would be you just roll. You say, okay, we're going to search the room. I roll. I get a 25, which is the high enough. Okay. You search the room for a few minutes. Eventually you find in a shoe in the closet that there's a key and I think what I would do is sort of in the middle where I would say, okay, what are you doing? Well, we're going to search the room. Okay. Is there any place specific? Yeah. I want to make sure we hit the closet. And I want to make sure that we hit, uh, the, checking for loose floorboards. And then I still have you roll your check, but I might give you like an, like an unknown to you bonus. Okay. So you roll a 15, but I'm giving you a plus five circumstance bonus because you specifically mentioned the thing where it's at. I don't think you should have to specifically mention stuff because if it's something that's key to the story, the DM is going to make sure you get it. Otherwise, why? Are, if it's that key to the story that you have to make sure they get it, then why are you hiding it? Why are you giving them then right. the chance not and, to find it? And I and I agree with that. And that's, that's something we've also talked about before is that if the if you want them to have it, they don't even have them roll. Just say you search the room. Okay, you search the room long enough, eventually you'll find it. But I think there's a sense of satisfaction that certain players get for being clever. And if the player says, I want to make sure that I search the shoe, maybe there's like a, there's foreshadowing somewhere where somebody else had something in their shoe. I don't know. And so they're like, oh yeah, remember we want to make sure we check the shoes. Okay. I've rewarded your, you being clever. You find the thing that no one else could find. But is that worth the chance that they don't find it? And then I think it just depends on the importance of the item. Like if, if, um, if, we're talking about magic items. Like maybe they find a sword or a shield or bracers or something like that. Then you can always go, okay, they didn't specify the right place, so they didn't find it. I'll hide it somewhere else later in the game. Or I'll hide it in a different room. Right. Or something, you know. But that's not a that's not something that you're searching for that could put a halt to the game. True. It's an it's a so, it, so, so, yeah, so let's say it wasn't, it isn't that important to the game. It is just something that would be cool, whether it be a magic item or just sort of a bonus, like extra money, uh, really important. Then I would say, just go ahead and like, if they don't specify, then say, okay, you don't find anything or, or you find remnants of something that makes them want to keep looking. Or the way I think about it is like, um, they find the Reese's pieces 
so they find a trail that leads them to asking the right question. Like, do, does anything look out of place? Well, over in this area of the room, there's a lot of footprints. And there's a lot. It looks like somebody spent a lot of time in this area of the room. All right, well, what's over there? What's okay. in that area of the room that I could search? Well, there's a desk, there's a closet, there's a wardrobe. Um, it looks, there's like on the ceiling, there's something hanging. Then they can specify, I want to check right. all those places. So giving them kind of the Reese's pieces or giving them the trail to keep, of baiting them i think that that i think that that's fine but it like i said if it's something that's going to halt your story then you you have to be willing to do that otherwise nobody at the table especially the players is going to be happy if they've wasted a half an hour sit you're like no no that's not right oh. you haven't found it so i got that's uh, not the magic word I, I think i may have even brought this up on the puzzles i did that once to a group where i set up a very specific sort of magical puzzle and i'm not kidding they sat maybe an hour at least an hour maybe even close to two hours in real time trying to figure out how to get through a room and that's all they did they were they tried everything in the world they could do because i had one specific answer and i was i was puzzling the players not the characters so it wasn't a role they had to figure it out and when they did figure it out they were so mad <laughs> they were just like that's dumb we like there was no rule there's no way they could have got there it was just a matter of guessing it can also and, kind of be the atmosphere of the game like at our games we're all 20 and 30 somethings um and we all have jobs girlfriends or wives careers school something and when we come to your house for three or four hours, we want to get stuff done. Right. Like we're there to progress the game. Like we don't we we can't run an all nighter an all nighter on Friday like you did in college or an all nighter right. on Saturday. You know. So when we're there for four hours, like that's our four hours, and that's and I even like I even look. I'll sit down at the table and I'll look around at you guys eating Chinese food and be like. Why are you eating right now? Like we could be playing right now. <laughs> I did say because I went through the I edited the last podcast and it sounds really good, but part of the having that really good setup is that there are some sounds like horses chewing, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was cutting out. I mean, I was like getting sick to my stomach listening to people <laughs> eat Chinese food. So I thought about instituting a rule that we're just going to eat first and then play and then hit record. Well, then, you can cut every. Oh yeah, just no I, game discussion. Yeah, we're not going to play chewing. and eat. It's going to be it all eat. And then let's play because it was awful. All right. So anyways, I'm running long, long on time. I got to go. So we'll just quickly hit this last one. So as I mentioned before, I listened to a bunch of actual play podcasts. And one of the things that one of the guys does who runs the game is he has an egg timer. And if <laughs> I think this is horrible. And if there's like the, if the discussions are going long and, and it's something you brought up before, we would li- probably had like 20 to 30 minute conversations real time. Where we're like, okay, well, do we go this way or do we go that way? And you, as a player, we're getting frustrated and blah, blah, blah. So what he does is when that happens, he turns the timer over. And he's like, he got two minutes to make a decision and we're moving on. And it made me think of you. I want to know what would you think of if I did something similar where I just set a hard time limit? You're, you're I'd gonna... say, I'd just say no. I would, I don't know how, I don't <laughs> fuck know. Fuck you and fuck your timer. <laughs> I don't know how that would go at the table, but I would probably go no. Like, I don't. You're the DM and you're progressing the story and you could say, look, um, this person is attacking you 
And if you choose to out of character argue with me over the table, they're still going to be attacking right. you. So you might. So your players, right. your and that's characters a, that's dying. A, that's a key difference. Like I, as a DM, I could. Like if you're taking a lot of time discussing in real time, I can assume that game time is passing too, and something could happen. If you're arguing over left door, right door, well, by the time you open one of them, this princess is already dead because you waited too long. Mm-hmm. There could be consequences to your actions. But this is an out of game player. I think that that's player stupid. motivation. And again, I was just interested. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just interested in what your thoughts. Would it be. would have to be a situation where every player at the table, uh, like agrees with him doing that and thinks it's a good idea like when when you see us discussing something or we're taking a lot of time on something yes start the timer but i refuse to believe that all of his players agree with him doing that and i think that that's shitty because to me they they joke about it but they they take it serious like he they're like okay we got to make a decision let's go and like they They'll just make a decision. And go I'm with sure, it. Well, then I'm sure that there has to have been a time in the past when he, like, maybe the first time he pulled out the egg timer, they were like, okay, Water. yeah. And then he said it, and then it went ding, and then something like started eating the people <laughs> or something. And they're like, oh my God, the egg timer. <laughs> like, so that should be in the monster manual. That should be an egg, the timer. egg timer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, ding. <laughs> Was there's a movie with they're like oh I it's kind of like staring at the red clock on the bomb, watching it count down yeah. and then the explosion. Yep, MacGruber. <laughs> um, but I just I think that that's terrible. The reason that I think that it's terrible is because to me, kind of like we I was talking about the balancing of the battles before. There's a balance in the game between DM and player where it's, it's the DM story, but it's the player's game. And if the DM isn't getting to tell his story in the way that he wants to, he's not going to be happy. And if the players aren't getting to participate in his story the way they want to, then they're not going to be happy. So there is a balance where you don't want an unhappy DM that's not looking forward to running games because that's going to suck for you. And, you're and you don't stop want running. and you right and you don't want unhappy players that aren't playing. interested in your game because they're going to stop playing. So the balance has to be um, where every, you know everybody's where everybody's happy. So to me, your take by setting that egg timer, you're taking away from the player side of the game because. It's up to them whether or not they want to take that much game time. It's up to you to lay out the story. It's up to you to lay out the things for them to make the decisions on and the consequences of their decisions and all of these things. It's up to you to do that. But it's up to them. If they want to take the three hours of the four hours if that they're going to spend playing the game deciding what to do, then they should be able to do that because that's what they're choosing to do in the universe that you've right. created. But just, well, just, let's just say, for example, that there's five players and three of them are, have made a decision and there's like two or one person that's like, no, I don't want to. So you have like a holdout. Would you feel then feel differently where it's not like everybody's having fun and this is what we're here to do. It's like, like Nico and Rob are arguing over something for 10 minutes and I'm like, Michael, start the timer. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, clearly we're not going to resolve this. So would it be different if it wasn't a harmonious act where all the 
characters were involved and they're role playing, they're talking and they're having fun. And I'm just getting bored as a DM, like Jesus Christ, let's hurry up. But a situation where it's like, okay, no, we're going to go left. And the other place like, no, we're going to go right. They both put their feet down, cross their arms and they're like, nope. So in in that case, would it be okay? Or Maybe would you still like, um, we, first of all, we need a more than 50% vote to pull out the egg timer. <laughs> So if there's four I would like people, to make a motion for the egg timer. Right. I would second that motion. <laughs> yeah. Third and the egg timer's out. Right. I mean, sort of. Like it's if you have five players and you have four people at the table that are all involved in this discussion over what to do, then the majority of the table is occupied by the discussion and is taking part in the discussion. So the vote isn't gonna get the timer out. But if you have two people at the table that are just going back and forth, and the other three are kind of like, you're on the phone, you're on the laptop, you're on the iPad, you're rolling your eyes or whatever, then uh, maybe you say, does anyone motion for the egg timer? Egg timer. Second. Second. Third. Third. Egg timer's out. That's, right. I could see doing it that way. I may not actually bring an egg timer, but I might say that. I might be like, all right, guys, I'm about to break out the egg timer. The um, the imaginary imaginary egg, imaginary egg timer. Egg timer. Um, but I, I think I agree with you. As the DM, what I would probably do is I would create a story element. That I w- think that, that that's the right them. thing to do. The, the other thing is, um, like one of my all-time favorite games is Half-Life. It's a computer game. And one of the coolest things about that game was that up until when it came out, there wasn't really a game that never took you out of the story. Like from the time the credits at the beginning of the game start rolling, you're never taken out of first person mode. Um, There's no like going to a different screen to load a next level. It's one continuous shot from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And all that happens is the game is kind of divided up into levels or sections within the game and when you get when you're like kind of passing from one section into the next section where the game needs to load the next section the screen just freezes for like 10 seconds and you're still immer- you're still in the same scenery and everything and it loads and then it just continues on you never take it to a loading screen you're never taken right. to like anything else and you're never taken out of this immersive environment that you're playing in and that was one of like the big cool things about the game and the egg timer to me is like, why are you having, why are you having things outside of the universe affect what's going on in the universe of the game? Like, why are you having the? I don't know. It if you want to push the story along or you want to speed things up, yeah, I say you do it, creating a story element. You need maybe. If you're not good at doing it on the fly, maybe you write some things down. Maybe you have some things ready to go, like something attacks or there's a violent windstorm coming or this person <laughs> like you're in a tavern and you're like, this person's choking on a tuna sandwich. <laughs> you have to say, you know, what are you going to do? You keep arguing. Yes. <laughs> Let him die. <laughs> ah, ah. Um, you lose diplomacy points. I don't know. Right. Um, it doesn't make any sense to, to try to speed it up in that way, like something outside the game, do it in the game where you can see like, okay, we are spending like this happened because we wasted so much time arguing. We weren't paying attention like, to I'm not what a, was happening. I, I've said this before. I'm not a fan of random encounters. I, I actually just don't use them in my games 
because I don't want there to be just a random. There's always a point to the encounter in some way or another. But maybe that would be the time to do it is if you're like in a dungeon type environment or a castle or, you know, caverns and you're arguing, then maybe you're making a lot of noise and the troll goes, hey, who are you? And he he comes out or, you know, the spiders are attracted, whatever. So there should always be the same Monster, monster, like, do you want me to send in the Cyclops? Yeah, I'll send in the Cyclops. <laughs> Instead of egg timer, I got a motion for the Cyclops. <laughs> Second, third, yeah. Cyclops. Send in the Cyclops. The only problem is I can totally see some characters or some groups nerfing that. Like, hey, I'm 300 points from from next level. Let's argue until the Cyclops shows up, <laughs> and then we'll kill like seven Cyclopses, and then we'll level. Uh, but, and I can also see like there there is this thing where. We don't really hit on too much because at our it seems like at our table you like to see us sit around and sweat. Like I, I enjoy when it's in character. I really like it. Yeah, because I feel like I've created a world that you're invested in. When as a character you're arguing, where and there's there is kind of an unrealistic sense to that, where like let's say in in the game we decide to rob a bank. Or, or rob a place, and in real life, we decide to rob a place. Well, in real life, we rob the place, we run out, we jump in the car, we're heading down the road, and there's a fork in the road. Are we going to go left or are we going to go right? Well, in in the real-life version... You already know where you're going. No, in the real-life version, you don't let off the gas, hit the brakes, stop at the fork, and then start everybody to have a discussion. Okay, everybody, say your piece. And let's talk about which way we're going to go. And if we can't come up with a decision, then, you know, we'll just keep talking about it. The because the, because the, the cop car will show up. Whereas in-game, we don't really treat it that way. Like, we could jump down in the sewers and be running from something or be running from the guards because we robbed the thing. And we might take five or ten minutes to discuss, like, what we're going to do next. Whereas realistically, that can't happen, right? Be- because they would be on us, fighting, killing. You know, they would be they would catch up to us if we right. were actually. Doing but like that. in a dungeon, though, like if you're exploring a dungeon, you could get into a room with multiple exits. You've killed everything, or you've snuck past everything behind you, and there wouldn't be that immediacy at that moment. I think again, as a DM, that's where you'd have to create it. Where Okay, if you don't pick a door, eventually someone's going to open one of those doors and something's going to come out and kind of push the story forward. Because like I said, the, the point is we have a limited amount of time, three to four hours. I want everybody to have fun. I want the story to move forward. But I don't want to arbitrarily out a game do that. And I agree maybe with you. The, maybe, I was interested in what you wanted because you brought that up before. I was interested. But I agree. I, when I heard the DM do that, I love that game. It's a great game. But I was like, that's... Nah, I don't like that. Maybe you do the egg timer in the game. Like, from, like from the heavens, you hear... Ding! Everybody's like, what the hell? What? And then something really, really bad happens. Yeah. All right. Well, it's about. It's actually been over an hour, so we're going to have to wrap this up. i got to get home. Uh, but it was nice having this conversation again. It's been a while. Yeah. So this has been Michael. And Evan. And... See you, see you next time. We even forgot how to sign off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. 
Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.